It could well trigger a new era for our national game. The Gaelic Players Association met formally for the first time in Belfast last night. Players probably feel it's time that maybe some of their ideas were heard. The Breakaway Gaelic Players Association and the GAA hierarchy seem set on a collision course tonight. And the official recognition agreement between the GAA and GPA uh, provides for um, joint commercial ventures. The player development programme that's in place is something that's vital to the well-being of our players. You do your utmost to, to serve the members and uh, that excites me a whole bunch. Every day, you know, we're working with players. They're the centre of everything that we do. You're very welcome along to The Player's Voice, a podcast brought to you by the Gaelic Players Association. I'm Kieran McSweeney and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Leash footballer Colin Begley. Colin, how are you? I'm good, man. Really good. How are you keeping alive? Very well now. Um, it's uh, it's good to see games back. Good to see pitches open. was watching games there over the weekend from the club championships. It's just, a, I suppose, a, a real sense of optimism around that. Definitely, yeah. Now we've played a few games ourselves at our club, uh, Stradbury, so really good buzz from it. Um, great energy on the, on the pitch again, even some of the kids down as well. I think there's actually cool camps uh, coming back down as well, so I'm sure parents are delighted. But uh, very positive at the moment, and, and fingers crossed. Obviously, we've seen over the last while too, you know, some of the concerns about some positives in, in clubs. But from what I can see, to be fair to clubs and people involved, everyone's trying their best to be as safe and, and cautious as possible and, and, and putting early warnings out, which is, which is good to see. Yeah, I think you're right. And, and people are all um, working responsibly towards, I suppose, the, the same goal that we're all aiming for is to try and get our, our games back in as safe a way as, as is possible. Um, one, our guest this week on the, the Players' Voice is uh, a leashman like yourself, Zach Tui of the Geelong Cats. We said we'd get Zach on because obviously he's involved in in in, in games in the Australian Rules Football League, um, and, and to see what life is like for an athlete like that who is having to stay away from family, friends, away in a hub with the rest of the team to try and get these games played uh, in their sport. Yeah, I think it'd be really interesting to hear, you know, if, if a player who's probably went through the return to play protocol, the getting back into games, the physical and mental kind of challenges that they may face. And I know obviously it's professional there, but still a player, a high level player going back to playing competitive sport, you know, and, and we're off the top of the positives, but there may be some concerns for players too. And we're obviously looking to return to inter-county football as well down the line in September. You know, I'd be interested to hear how they approached it and if there's any kind of things we can take from that. But um and also, it's actually a great guy. I'm sure they have a lot of great insight into different things and to hear about how they're going over there uh, in the game. I think it'll be very interesting. So I'm looking forward to talking to them. A couple of very sad events, obviously, Colm, as well, since we were talking last with the untimely death of Ahada and former Cork footballer Kieran O'Connor. And we obviously send out our condolences to all his family, friends, his his clubmates and his former teammates in the, the Cork setup as well. Um, and of course, as well, um, a, a man who had a huge impact on all Irish sports, no matter what sport you played. But um, I suppose Jack Charlton had a, a major impact on the Irish sporting landscape and his funeral taking place today in the UK. And it's a 
it's 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 for someone of of my vintage um fast approaching 40 he was someone who was a childhood hero and i think the thing is that when someone like that passes away it's almost as if a, a little piece of you goes with them yeah of course Kieran, and, and and condolences to Kieran connor his his family and friends as well um but yeah you're right and it's something i think i like about obviously we put a lot of bonus on on, on our sports people and, and the effect they've had in, in our communities in our lives so you can see by the outcry for Jack Charlton and and all the praise he got that he was very well respected within Ireland and a lot of memories even for me. I'm not probably up to your vintage yet, Kieran, but I'm approaching it as well. And it's, it's, and, one, um, it's one of the it's one of the only things I'm ahead of you in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah, no, it's there's a lot of really fond memories and for not only just individuals but for the whole country that he's brought about. So, um, sad passing and uh, again, deepest respects and sympathies to the family and friends. Yeah, look, um, it, it is. It it really does um, hammer home the impact that sport can have in a whole country when when something like that happens. But look, um, some great memories from Euro '88, Italian '90, or Italian '90, as we used to call it back in the day, because we were all very sophisticated and we were learning our Italian because we wanted to keep up to speed with our mates in the schoolyard. Um, <laughs> and USA '94. But look, um, I, I say, um, really great memories of. Uh, someone who had such a major impact on sport no matter what sport you followed in this country look we'll be back to you very shortly uh, with our guest um, from the Geelong Cats and from Leash Zach too. we'll prepare and we'll go and we'll do our best we'll put them under pressure the game is about being effective being aggressive winning the ball getting on with the play we'll put them under pressure Well, we're delighted to be joined now on the line from Australia by uh, Geelong Cats, uh, Zach Tui. Zach, um, you're very welcome to the Player's Voice and thanks for taking the time to talk to us today. Um, I know you're, you're not long after training there. How is it going? How's the body? And how is, um, how is training in this post or as, as COVID-19 is ongoing? How is the, the whole experience of training? Yeah, good day, Kieran. Babes, how are you going? Um, hey, how are things? Yeah, it's strange. It's uh, it's strange. It's a strange time. Um, we're very fortunate on our end in many ways because the season is going ahead. Um, but to give some context, we basically had to be kicked out of Victoria, where ten, I think it's ten of the eighteen teams in the AFL are from Victoria. So it's been a it's been a logistical challenge for the AFL. But basically, all ten teams have been relocated, and, and we're currently in a quarantine in a hotel in Perth. So it's, um, it's a long time away from our families, but very grateful the season's going ahead. And how long has that been in place for now, Zach? How long have you been away from, from home as such? So far, it's been 17 days. It feels, it feels a bit like it's been 17 months. It's a strange, strange situation. But we've been away for 17 days and it's looking like we'll probably be away for the rest of the season. Um, initially, I think they were planning on having us away for a month, but um, 
given given the rise in uh, COVID in Victoria, it looks like we may have to stay away for the whole season, which for me and, and a lot of players who've got kids uh, back in Victoria, that's going to be a challenge. But, you know, um, it's certainly better the alternative. Zach, you're saying there's 17 days. Like when people see your 17 days and think of the lockdown situations over here and even in Melbourne at the moment, they go 17 days isn't that long. But you and I know, and even players listening to this will know, when you're in a hotel, you know, away from your normal situation, your normal environment, you know, two or three days can be like a lifetime in there as well. So, um, what's the experience like in that? Will you have a chance to see your family at all, or will it be just a full few weeks or full season now without getting to see them? Yeah, you're right, Beds. It is. Um, look, I, I kind of want to be careful not to um, sound like I'm complaining yeah. because there's so many sports where, you know, yeah. the season has just been cancelled. So, um, but like, let's not pretend I, I've got two kids at home that yeah. I'm probably not going to see for three months now. Um, you know, and, and the argument is often against players, or at least it is over this side of the world. Well, it's your job. It's kind of like, well, I'm sorry, but my job has never been to be away for that long. It yeah. says nowhere in my contract that that's my job. I'm doing it because I know it's in the best interest of the game and, and that's why all the players are doing it. So um, there's, they're facilitating families um, coming to our next hub. So we're in Perth at the minute. We'll have to move to Queensland uh, for a few weeks post uh, Perth. Um, but I fall into the same category as a lot of players where it's not really feasible for me to operate the two lads and bring them up to me because one's in school and um, they would have to spend two weeks in quarantine before they can, you know, before I'd even see them. Um, and like two weeks in a hotel room for my partner looking after two kids is a, is a lot to ask. So, um, yeah, for me, I probably won't see them till till the season's finished. So right now it's a challenge, but I suspect it'll just get harder and harder. And Zach, what kind of what kind of support is there for players in terms of that side of things? So like obviously you've got all the supports around the, the training and games, etc. But what kind of supports are there to I suppose deal with that side of things? Because that is a, a huge challenge and it's a huge um, shift and upheaval in people's lives. Yeah, significant, really significant. Um, no, look, the, the support has been immense and it's as, it's as big as it can be. Look, the options are really clear for me as a player right now. It's, it's either I don't play and go back to my family, which some players will actually take that option, I'm sure, as the season goes on. Or, you know, I stay and play out the season because um, I'm not really prepared to not play with the lads. Like, it's, they're my team. Um, and obviously, not every player can go home because the season of bail. So, um, if if push came to shove, we'd be allowed. Like our club would understand a, a parent wanting to go home to their kids. Um, there's no pressure from the club, but you know we're fully aware that we can't have half the list gone home because the season will collapse. So, um, yeah, there's plenty of support from the players' association. They're doing Trojan work at the minute. But to be fair, so are the AFL. Nobody's butting heads here. We're all on the same side. It's just you just can't play games in Victoria. And once you've ruled out Victoria, the, this is the only way of getting the season away. And what's uh, a, a day in the life of Zach Tui like at the moment when you are holed up in a hotel? There's, obviously, there's training and there's stuff around, around that. But what what do you fill your time with? Yeah, it's it's um it's a bit of a challenge on on the days off because we are bound now. The hotel we're in is phenomenal. It's huge, and we place but you know the, the days off can be a challenge um we're still we still have access to we have a gym here 
Um, they have a games room set up that's got plenty of stuff for us to keep us entertained. We've got, you know, coffee on site and drinks in the fridge. And um, so we're certainly well looked after. And then we're still basically full training. So it's not like every day uh, is a day off. But um, for 14 days in Perth, because we did spend the first week and a, week and a bit um, in New South Wales. So, our, you know, two weeks of quarantine only started, say, 10 days ago. Um, so until that 14 days is up, we can't really leave the hotel. So it's, we have about 150 meter long patch of grass outside that we're allowed to wander out to and, and have a kick. But yeah, that's, that's about it. And Zach, with that one, just, you mentioned there, like, um, you know, you're, you're full training at the moment. But I'd be very eager to talk about, look, you, you know, you've probably heard um, that we're hoping to come back into our season, inter-county season in September. And at the moment, we're, we're playing with clubs, which is, which, is, which is great to get back to do that, uh, as you can imagine. But from, from what I'm hearing, because of the AFL um, being well-organised and the facilities you have, you're, you're obviously testing players consistently during this process. You've got your hubs, which means you're reducing the risk of probably the health concerns, mm-hmm. uh, which we won't have. But can I talk to you about the training? What was it like maybe leading up to this? Um, you, you, obviously, your preseason was cut short, but what was the training like once you got back going? Yeah. And now, currently, what, what were the main concerns or focuses for the coaches with the players' welfare, obviously, in mind? Yeah, yeah. So, there was, it was a stark change to our usual um, schedule. Um, yeah. So, we, we got the first game of the season away before everything was put on hold. And we were on hold for eight weeks. Um, and at that stage, you could only train um, in pairs. You couldn't, there couldn't be anyone um, you, you couldn't have a third or fourth. So that obviously makes skills training really difficult. So we had programs that we would follow in pairs and train together um, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, try and do our weights at home, which is very suboptimal. Um, but, you know, it was fine. We did the eight weeks. And once we got back training in, in at the club, um, it was groups of, I think it was six at first, or maybe it was eight that couldn't mix for a week. And then the following week, they allowed one main session with the with the entire group and, even for that main session, um, we had to use six different changing rooms because uh, you could only have, you know, whatever it was, eight players in a changing room. And all these just logistical things that, um, you know, we're fortunate. People just basically told us where to be and we turn up and train. But, like, it was just a, a logistical nightmare. And then mm-hmm. with regards to the testing, we've been tested twice a week, every week, for what we around, I don't know, three or four months now. We've been t- tested twice yeah. a week, every week. Um, as well and that she hasn't as far as I'm aware been a positive test amongst any player yet which is staggering given there's you know, whatever 800 players in the league so um, yeah the club the club basically got together and said players are going to get in and out of the club in an incredible short space of time um, and in small groups and that was the only way we could do it yeah and is there is there now is that like obviously I know even when I was there and, and, and at the very focused on kind of keeping players playing so like injury prevention and stuff and injury risk and having obviously had a shorter preseason or a staggered mm-hmm. preseason is that a big focus from them when they came back to training just easing players into it as much as possible yeah it was a big concern from the players association point of view as well um mm-hmm. you know you, you stop players training for two months and then expect them to go back into full games there's always a big risk there but um, we had, once we were allowed to get back to the club and train, I think we had three weeks where we didn't have to play and we were allowed to train as a group um, and try and get, you know, match condition again. Um, the AFL shortened the games. Um, 
Uh, so the games are probably 20 minutes shorter, you know, once you've added it all up. So it's fairly significant. Um, yeah, and, you know, the, the risk moving forward, Megs, is that it looks like there's a really good chance, I think, that we'll have to be playing games off four days, you know, turn around. And so, you're, you know, you're going to start clumping games together and not getting anywhere near the usual rest, which, again, is fine. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, that's what they have to do. But, yeah, there's there's been some worries. And I'm not sure what the numbers say injury-wise, but to, we've had we've had two players go down in each of the last two weeks. And I think we had one player go down each week, the two weeks before that. So, I don't know if, if you know, that's exactly why, but you can't imagine it would have helped. Yeah, definitely. No, it's interesting. We, we we obviously have the club season starting now at the moment too, or almost starting. Um, so that will help, I suppose, build the guys up into a certain fitness for inter county that might be a little bit faster or perceived as faster. But it's obviously a concern for for all players going back in um to inter county. But I think we've got four weeks. I'm right in saying, Kieran, four weeks trying to kind of shaved off in September that we're hoping the players. Yeah, yeah, four weeks yeah. from 14 to September, yeah, until un, until October 17. Um, Zach, can I ask you about what it was like then? Like, like, is it on your mind at all when when once you actually cross the whitewash out onto the grass and you start training? Is it was it in any way on your mind that the virus um, in those first initial training sessions? Um, like not really. I mean, look, day to day, my life didn't change a whole lot. Um. Obviously, the, the the few weeks that we weren't allowed into the club was a fairly significant change. I enjoyed the family time. So by the time training came around again, I was really happy to go in. All the players and basically everyone in the AFL has been living under the same restrictions for months and months now. Um, I trust all my teammates to have done the right thing over that time. So the, the prospect of me getting it um, when training was reintroduced wasn't really on my mind. There's always the chance of getting it at the or you know my son's in school and that's yeah. the one if, if, if I'm going to get it um, I won't see my son for months now as we said but if I was going to get it I was probably going to be off off him or you know my partner sure. going to the supermarket but yeah I, I, no it didn't concern me to be to per- perfectly honest and when it comes to um, the games then Zach what are the the protocols around the games like in terms of use of dressing room facilities, numbers allowed in there, all of that kind of stuff? Yeah, so I'm not actually sure what the numbers um, on match day are. I think they have been reduced, but like we have to sit, um, you know, we're separated by a locker. Um, we, we can't share bottles. Everyone has their own marked bottle. Um, we have to sit apart from each other on the interchange, um, which some of this stuff to be quite frank, makes no sense because we're in the middle of a, a full contact game and then we have to sit apart, you know, immediately after the game. But a lot of it is um, a lot of it is about the look and the appearance of the game. But um, for the most part, game day is fairly similar to what it has been. It's just those little, you know, you have your own drink bottle and you're not allowed to touch anyone else's and blah, blah, blah. So game day is much the same. Um, yeah, no change there. Um, and I saw there over the weekend was that there was near 30,000 people at, at, at one of the games because some restrictions have oh, been lifted yeah. in some of the, of some of the states. Um, what was what was it like when the numbers were were reduced down playing in front of um, much smaller uh, much smaller uh, attendances? Yeah, the first game round one, which was before the um, the band sort of came in, that was played in front of no crowd and she's it was eerie. Um, 
it just it, it didn't feel right at all to me. Um, well, I fully understand there's no way around it, but um, we've had no crowds up, up again, as you say. We had 25,000 people at our game because they you know, could only have half capacity. Um, and it was brilliant. Jeez, it makes a big difference, uh, which is one of the reasons that games are getting played in part at other places that can have crowds. Um, but yeah, no crowds. No crowds is eerie. Um, it's hard. There's definitely some you know, effect it has on, on the mind as well. Um, it doesn't feel the adrenaline doesn't flow as hard. Um, if anything, it just it just makes you realise just the inf- impact and influence uh, crowds have on games because it felt weird. The first few empty stadium games it honestly felt trippy. It felt like big training sessions. Um, yeah. But again, you just have to adapt to it. Do you have to spend more time almost um, psyching yourself up as such or preparing yourself psychologically for a game then, as you say, where the, the adrenaline mightn't be as flowing as much given that there isn't the, the, the crowd the crowd there to, 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 to G up? Maybe a small bit. It's a bit like the training um, when you're away from the club. Like, yeah, it, there's a big challenge maintaining match fitness and I'm sure it's the same back home for all the players um, over this period. But honestly, you can separate yourself from the pack so much by training well over that period. Um, I didn't miss a session that entire time and I felt great coming back. And it's, yeah, it's a bit like that. So when I was saying it feels eerie, that's just more of an observation. Like yeah. I was quite happy to play in that. But that was just objectively a fact that it was weird when, you, when there's no crowd there and it felt a bit different. Um, yeah, if you can, if you can mimic um, match intensity in your mind when other players are struggling to do that, of course it's going to help. But... Um, yeah, there's, there's big opportunities to be had in this time. Like, if I'm a player back home getting ready to play, oh, if I've done all the work over the break, I am feeling 10 feet tall going back to training because the reality is that not every player will. You know, it was just, it was just an interesting point there. Like, it's, it's, it's funny, Zach, and you'll, you'll attest to this, that you know the Aussies are very good at creating your own atmosphere and training and creating your own environment, mm. probably for that reason alone as well. So they're probably well-placed to even though it would feel very eerie to, to create their own energy in the game. Um, I don't know if the GA players are, are there yet. It definitely has improved over the last few years. But if we do have to play a game with no crowds, I imagine that would be the same feeling, that eerie feeling is like to describe it. Because, you know, what, what do you think of first when you think about some of the games you played in, some of the big games? The yeah, atmosphere yeah, yeah. is you know, a roller coaster, you know? So it's interesting to hear you say it. Uh, it's probably something that I think maybe GA teams can look at themselves now, if it is possibly an option down the line. Can they, yeah. can they start focusing on creating that environment themselves because it'll have an effect, won't it? Yeah, it will. You just need to have a, a, an environment that's not afraid to praise. Um, and some places like that are here. It's the, it's the tall poppy thing, you know, chopping players down for doing something good. Um, and if you can create an environment where players are desperate to impress teammates because they know there's a cherry at the end, uh, and the cherry might just be somebody that, you know, admired within the team giving me a, a pat on the back. Um, you'd be amazed how far it can go. And that's something like, you know, it's like this, this, the respect you can gain over here for doing something that's, you know, perceived as really tough or really hard in the game is, is yeah. remarkable and it's really infectious. And given where we're at right now, if you can play the game in the right way when some players might be struggling, geez, you learn respect. And um, yeah, I, I reckon I reckon it's probably the case that um, that's improving back home. But geez, if you can fast track it, it helps. Yeah, definitely, definitely, great point. No, I was going to ask about like we kind of talked about the the year going forward. Also, you know, there's a 
there's a few other Irish guys out there at the moment. Um, Mark O'Connor, obviously, who who was put onto the leadership team, if I believe, if, if I'm right in saying that. That's right. Um, and had a few great seasons with you guys. And then Stefan Nuckenbar, um, who was brought there, I think, a year and a half ago now, I'd say, that I'm right in saying that. Yeah. Um, how are the boys getting on? Are they going well? Are they ticking pretty good with the club? Yeah, sensational. Um, so Mark O'Connor is... He debuted super early in his career. I think it was maybe around six or seven in his first year. Um, and he's just made of the right stuff. He's got real leadership qualities, like proper leadership qualities. He could be, yeah. like, could end up being captain. He's that, he's that type of um, personality. Um, and he's in the side regularly now, and he's just, he's just a bona fide AFL player. And then Stefan was tracking in a very similar trajectory. And then, fortunately, did his Achilles in the training session. Um, I think it's last January or February. Uh, which effectively ruled him out for the year. But um, Stefan is an, he's a talking specimen. Uh, I'm not sure yeah. I've ever seen an, I've never seen an athlete like him. Like, it's ridiculous. But he's, he's come back weeks and weeks ahead of schedule. So hard. Um, and, like, he might actually... Well, he's going to train this weekend. He, the, the VFL guys, the reserves, are playing a practice match. And I think he's playing, which is staggering because... Um, you're not supposed to get back as quick as he's gotten back. But yeah, look, he's he's um he'll play AFL. There's no doubt in my mind. It's just it's just a question of when. But um yeah, I'm I'm delighted to have the two lads here. Definitely a help to have you there, I suppose, and, and bring him along. But Stefan, you're right in saying he's a, he's an absolute specimen. I saw saw some of his trials before and some of his video oh, clips. He's made of and... granite. He's made of yeah. granite. Jesus. <laughs> um, but Geelong would be, you probably agree this, Zach. I know a friend of mine who I play with, Troy Selwood, who would be over recruiting over there, but um, they're quite good at regards um, not trying to fast track guys from the club, from what I can see. Um, they seem to be a good club to give lads time yeah. to develop into the player. They're not looking at two years, they're looking at maybe four years down the line. And now, yes. Mark yeah. obviously has jumped that, but they've given them that opportunity, which makes a big difference thing for players going to the AFL clubs, I imagine. Huge, huge difference. Yeah, Troy in particular has been great. He's um, obviously in, in recruitment for us, but he just totally understands the sacrifice the Irish guys make, and that's a lot of people don't. Um, he, like, he just totally gets that. Of course, there's going to be a bit of homesickness early on, and he, he will approach me basically out of the blue and ask me if I think there's anything the two lads need now. The two of them are incredibly driven and professional, so more often than not, my answer is no, they're bloody killing it, so it's fine. Um, but they genuinely care. Like, like the Irish guys coming to our club aren't projects and aren't, you know, just like let's see if it works. They they want it. They they're desperate for it to work out. And, um, yeah, Troy's been a huge driver for that. So, um, like I said, like you're right. They'll give them a chance. They'll give them as long as it takes. I think Steph would have played already by now if he hadn't gotten injured. But you know, that's the nature of the beast as well. Um, but I think the club really like him and. Um, so obviously O'Connor has been playing for a while so they clearly like him um, but yeah they do yeah. it's a wonderful club to get to Would you keep in contact or is there much contact between um, say or between yourself and some of the other Irish guys who are out playing AFL outside of, the, of your own club um, like like, do the Irish guys keep in co- contact out there? Yeah they do particularly I'm I'm very much the um, the old block now so I'm slightly out of the loop but will occasionally will occasionally message some of the, the guys at Collingwood or um, Hawthorne but um, the younger lads there's a, there's a whole um, there's a whole crew of them out here now they're always in constant contact um, a couple of our lads will drive up to Melbourne to catch up with them every now and then as well so it really helps because for I guess for long well, for all of my career 
myself and Pierce have probably been the two, the only two that have mainstays that have been around for for a long time now. So, um, I reckon I reckon there's a good chance that at least a few of these lads will have long term careers. Um, so it's going to be great for them to be able to do it together, like and, and have somebody you know there with you each step of the way. Um, one of the younger guys, um, obviously, who was at the the centre of some controversy, not of his own making over the, in recent times, Conor McKenna from, from Tyrone. Um, what did you make of how um, the that was handled by the AFL and then outside of that by the, the reaction among some, some media in Australia? It was outrageous. Absolutely outrageous. It was a total farce. He was, um, yeah, the, 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 he, was, he was guilty by media. Like, it was, it was a farce. He did nothing wrong and um, was painted as some kind of you know, idiot who didn't care about the AFL and was going to jeopardise the game. And, and there's a few things there, right? There's 800 players in the league. Um, there's however many staff at each of those clubs as well. So you're way over a thousand people. You can't keep tabs on them all. It's only a matter of time before a player returns a positive test. And when it happens, you don't get to just go in the media and call them whatever you want. Now, as it turns out, Connor wasn't negative. And it was a clerical error or it was a breakdown in communication somewhere which is very little consolation to a bloke who's just had his name dragged through the mud yeah. publicly. He's, I, I read some of the tweets and I'm not, and it wasn't following it as closely as I should have maybe, but I've seen some tweets that were sent to him and it's, it's nonsense. Like, it was ridiculous. Now, to be fair, some media have apologised, but yeah. again, some, some have doubled down and it's just, it was handled terribly. It was handled absolutely terribly. Um, but again, and not all of them, clearly, a little caveat there, yeah. that there so much of the media are just vultures. They're, they're just absolute vultures. And all they want is a bad news story. And they'd rather yeah. be first than be right. And there's too many of those. And I'd bloody love to give you names, but it probably wouldn't be a good career move. Sure. And, and, and like looking at it from, from over here, it was just it just seemed to cause so much confusion. And as you say, there was... It didn't seem that the, the facts didn't actually seem to matter uh, a lot of the time through the story. No, they didn't matter at all. Nobody cared to to make sure what the results actually said. Um, and and the worst thing was so okay. Even if he had been positive, like that doesn't mean he he didn't care. He certainly wouldn't mean he did it on purpose. It's not like like there's so many totally legitimate ways to catch this bloody disease. You don't just get to attribute malice when, you know, an accident will do. So it was just, they just jumped the gun. They really, really jumped the gun. And it was, it was absolutely disgraceful how he was treated. And that was the, the thing I was going to say, Zach. That, the, 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 the way that that was reacted to and that, that culture of blame and the culture of pinning responsibility on, on a person. When, and as you say, it, it, it will most likely happen at some stage. When a player does test positive for the coronavirus, um, it, 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 this, that, that situation has created a, an environment now where they're going to be extremely worried about the reaction that they get to it. Yeah, that's, like, that's exactly right. There's, somebody is going to get it. It's unavoidable, especially given there's been a spike over here. Now, I think the states that we're playing in, you know, we're playing here because it's much more under control. But when somebody gets it, you really think it's it's okay to jump down their throat and call them a, a this and a that and um, yeah of course it's, it's just breeding anxiety where there's already enough anxiety in the world um, but that whole the whole incident was was outrageous it was just outrageous. Uh, 
And Zach, look, I just want to ask you one more question, which is kind of coronavirus related. Like you said, obviously you're away from your family um, in Australia at the moment. In the, the in the when you when you go into the, in the, the hubs, but you're away from home here in Ireland uh, as well. Um, what's that been like being so far from home during a time of global crisis? I suppose. Yeah, it's um, it's been it's been strange. I mean, I've, I've talked to my parents and. Um, I think the restrictions, you know, to have something so global affect so many people. It, it almost, it almost struck me as being like I actually felt more like we were in it together than any other point in my career. Which sounds okay. strange, like, but everything that's everything that's happened to me in my career, I've more or less been on my own with. If you know what I mean, this is something. This is a challenge that I'm facing. That I was talking to my parents, and they're facing it as well. They couldn't see their grandkids, my nieces and nephews. Um, so it just struck me how in, in the best, in the better part of a decade, this is the first thing I've gone through with my family um, in all that time. And, you know, yeah, we're still on the far side of the world. Um, but yeah, it's, it's strange. I feel for them. Um, I've got a lot of privileges given my position as a player that most of the public don't have. And I've got a lot of privileges that, you know, my family back home definitely don't have. So, um, yeah, it's... It's, it's yeah, it, it, it's been extremely surreal. Um, I think surreal is probably the word I'd use for it anyway. Mm. Um, look, look, I, I, I think we leave the um, coronavirus related stuff uh, there, Zach, because there's obviously it, it, it's something we could talk about till the cows come home. But how is um, how has it been back? Just being back playing uh, and just to be more positive about this. How has it been back, back yes. playing um, and, and getting game time and being involved and doing what you want to be doing? Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, brilliant. Um, you know, like the the downtime uh, when we weren't playing was a challenge, but in some ways it was nice to spend time with the family. But as soon as we got back playing, it just struck me again how much I missed it. Um, my body feels the best it's felt in a couple of years, which is also a big a big plus right now. Um, and I feel like I'm playing well. So I just, the actual on-field side of the game, I just couldn't be enjoying um, any more than I am right now. So that's that's one plus. Like you were involved with the State of Origin American Center, um, there yeah. gone by. Well, um, I'd say that you must have been hugely proud to be to be involved in that. It's a huge achievement, and well done to you. What was that like? What was the experience like overall? Yeah, phenomenal. It was brilliant. Um, I was delighted when I got the call asking me to play. Um, yeah, it's, it's people back home probably won't appreciate the history of that. Um, you know, of the State of Origin, but it's a huge honour. Um, I'm not particularly sentimental when it comes to jerseys and you know I've kept a few my debut one and stuff but um that's one jumper I'll, I will keep I've had it signed by the team and I don't think I'll ever get rid of it um because it is a huge honor and it's got the, the IRL on the back it has everyone's for all the Australian players it has their state initials so VIC for Victoria or whatever um but for me it had IRL which was pretty cool um as actually detail I didn't realize was going to be on it um until I arrived at the game so um, that's probably my favourite jersey that I've got, and I don't think I'll give it away. The um, and I think you hardly kept your jersey from. Is it right? Am I right in saying this this day last year? Oh, um, God, don't bring it up. The... <laughs> Jeez, was it signing winner against Melbourne? Am I right in saying that last minute kick of the game? 
Yeah, two uh, year anniversary. God almighty. Um, I'm just a regular guy. I know you think I'm a superhero. <laughs> I put my pants on one leg at a time, just like you. <laughs> Up there, one of the yeah, it probably was individually. It definitely was. Yeah. It's super rare for that to happen um, ever. It actually happened over the weekend here. Um, super rare and probably even rare given that I'm a career defender. Um, and that was like the only game of my entire career I found myself in the forward line. So very, very strange. But yeah, individually and selfishly, it probably was the best moment I've had um, on field in my life. Well, I just think you've obviously had some massive moments, but um, again, one thing that you will definitely attest as well, um, when something like that happens, like you can see the whole team just run from everywhere to you. You know, yeah. it's like it's like a, a huge celebration for, for you would consider it something you should have done or, you know, a simple thing yeah. of kicking a goal. But like it's the way that the, the teams over there make it a huge occasion for you personally. I love the way that happens in game. It's yeah, well, it's generally super rare to be involved in a game that even has a shot to impact yeah. the score. Because I mean, obviously, one the score has to be very close for it to matter. It has to be, um, you know, the mark has to be taken a few seconds from the end of the game. It's super rare. Like I, I can only recall, like I said, one actually happened on the weekend, a sensational one, Port Adelaide against Carlton. But um, I can only remember happening a handful of times in in the ten or eleven years that I've been here. Um, yeah. So as it's 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 pure ecstasy. It felt like playing footy again as a child. Like there was no there was no calculated celebration. There was no real cool high fives. It was literally just a bunch of men jumping on each other. Um, yeah. and what, one more question, me, Zach. Like you've 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 played with some quality players. Like in my mind, I'm thinking about obviously Abbott and Dangerfield at the moment. They're just like absolute jets. But um, from your time over there, and even including maybe um, some of the state of origin game you played. Who, in your mind, is the best player to play with? And, and can you give me a voice? I'd be really intrigued to hear this. Yeah, it's a very good question. So these names might not mean much to maybe some people back home listening, but I actually think, like, did you debut on Juddy, on Chris Judd? Is that... I, I, I debuted on... Oh, this is embarrassing as well. You know, I marked it over. Um, no, I, I, I debuted on... <laughs> <laughs> I, I debuted on Judd, yeah. Um, but I, I, I played him and I actually marked Cousins for a while as well. Cousins, oh, Braun and Judd were the first guys on one day. But my first possession of the game was the oh, yeah, hell of a day. Oh, like a, a devastating day. I wanted to go home after. But Judd was running through with the ball and basically what happened was I stood there and Michael Voss pushed him into me and he got caught holding the ball. So I was like, this is this. My legend. In my mind, in my mind I, I flung him to the ground. Like actually, like, yeah, yeah, of course. in the video afterwards, it was the most frail tackle you've ever seen. He basically tripped over me. But um, Judd would, would be up there. As, yeah, Judd's a, a, an absolute gun. And like Cousins was... Cousins yeah, was, was probably the strongest runner I've ever played against, like in any game, just ran yeah. like a machine and stuff. But um, yeah, yeah. If you're on yeah. the players, you'd be up there. They're up there. Yeah. So Judy, like I obviously played with Chris um, for I don't know what it was four or five years until he retired in 2014 or 15. Um, mm. He was freakish, Gary Ablett, obviously. But I got Gaz for the last few years when he was um, still dominating, playing in the forward line. But yeah. I've never seen a player. Um, tear a game apart like Dangerfield um, I, I think if you were getting any of those guys just going full tilt at the peak of their powers oh, actually that's ridiculous really. they could all dominate but Danger's, yeah. Danger's ability to rip a game apart is just I think it's unsurpassed but yeah, yeah. Danger, Ablett Selwood, Juddy there you go in no, in no particular yeah. order
Yeah, you know, you, you could go, you, that list could go on. Like, we've had such good players, definitely over there. Like, and you can do the same over here in, in GEA. There's so many good players with such good abilities that they can turn yeah. a game around on their own, you know? So, um, yeah. yeah. And it, it's good, even with the international rules, which you mentioned, like, there's a handful of guys there who I knew were brilliant players, but you see them up close, like Michael Murphy. Oh, I just, I realise I'm stating the obvious, but I just did not appreciate just how good he is. Like, he's freakish. Same with Conor McManus, these guys. Like, yeah, like, I'm out of the game, so I'm kind of not, um, you know, across just, just how good these guys are. But seeing them up close in the international rules, is just kind of like, okay, I get it. I get it. Um, Zach, you, you've been very good with your time. Uh, I just just one last question from, from me is, as regards that side of things, do you feel it's tougher for... Irish guys these days to make the breakthrough over there or is it easier given the I suppose the the groundwork that the likes of yourself and, and Colm I'll have to say Colm there and others have done <laughs> over the years to, to um, I suppose to open up the avenues all, all the way back I suppose to to, to Jim, Jim Steins but is it more straightforward now or is it as difficult as it ever was for an Irish guy to make that transition? Well, it's always going to be difficult. Like, but no, I think it, I think it probably is. I think the systems they have in place to help the Irish guys when they come out here, are, they're definitely better than when I was brought out, and I'm sure they're better bags than when you came first. Um, it's it's a huge challenge. It's a totally different sport. Um, often the challenge is it's it's guys who are going from you know being uh, top of the food chain at their respective clubs and, and counties, and um, basically bottom of the food chain here. So that's that's a big challenge. Um, but I suspect it's probably easier given the likes of, you know, a Troy, a Troy Selwood and people who appreciate the, the sacrifice the Irish guys make. They're desperate for them to succeed. So always going to be a challenge. It's always less likely than likely a player will, will make it. But I think it's probably you're probably getting the best odds now that, that um, you've ever gotten. And um, is is Colin Begley's name? I presume he's being talked about still all over Australia for um, his uh, c- career in the AFL, and he's still remembered fondly throughout the sport. Of course, he is. I've heard some wonderful. Actually, a former uh, teammate of yours, uh, Beggs, is now one of my coaches, Nigel Lappin. I won't. Oh, nice, regurg- yeah. I-, I won't regurgitate some of the stories he's told me about you, but you certainly uh, had a very significant impact on on your teammates. There's there's no doubt. <laughs> And that's why I'm over here, and that's why he's over here. <laughs> <laughs> no, he did with Bates, to be fair, to give credit where it's due. Like, he was obviously playing when I was coming through minor, and um, I distinctly remember thinking just how much I would have loved the opportunity he had and basically how jealous I was. I was, would have given anything to to um, to do what he was doing, and um, that was always in the back of my mind when whenever I thought there was a chance. I thought... Um, I used to look at look at some games Beggs was playing or whatever I could find, and it certainly drove me on a bit. So it's no 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 trouble for me saying he's had a, he's had an impact in me on my career. Two of Leash's finest and two of the AFL's finest. Um, Zach Tui, you've been very good with your time. Thank you very much indeed for joining us on the Players Voice. Um, stay safe. Uh, hope you get to see your your family soon, and um, next time you're back in Ireland and hopefully that can happen sooner rather than later we'd love to have you on again it was a pleasure guys thanks the Gaelic Players Association representing the interests of all intercounty players protecting their welfare on and off the pitch and supporting their development as people well Colm I think there was an awful lot there from what Zach was telling us about how the AFL have um, dealt with return to play and how how players have to 
um, get their mindset and their heads right to return to play. A lot, a lot there that guys could take um, some stuff away from. Yeah, to be fair, um, and it seems to be well done with the AFL and the AFLPA. They've handled it quite well from what Zach's saying. But from for me, I suppose, um, I, I didn't realise the mental uh, challenges they're facing being away from home so long. Um, I think people might forget that in a lot of cases too. And, and we may have similar situations here with some of our players who, you know, are fighting against a battle of should they, shouldn't they play again. I think that needs to be respected. Um, and I'm sure it is being in both club and, and county in the end. But huge, huge information there. Um, and good to hear from a, an honest review from a player about how he's finding it, some of the things he found difficult. And it was great to hear, though, one of my favourite parts there, can I think I agree, is that the connection he's had with home still um, yeah. has been quite difficult for him for anyone away from home at the moment, but if you get a sense of feeling that you're in this together, um, which has resonated for the last few months as well. So I think that connection has helped him obviously personally and would help more people across internationally if they can't visit home for a while. But a uh, great conversation, really good discussion. Um, obviously complimented me a fair bit, which is which is only only goes without saying. Uh, I gave him a bit of money before the actual, uh, actual interview, so he owes me a bit. That, that that's very fair well look just before we wrap up we have had a message from the HSC um, over the course of the last few days just to make sure that people aren't getting complacent about the fact that COVID-19 is still in the country we do need to still maintain social distancing where we can keep two metres away from people where we can't wear your face covering or your face masks um, don't go to crowded places or anywhere you feel that you could be in any sort of um, any sort of danger and keep up the respiratory hygiene and also the washing of hands, which is vitally important. And also the COVID tracker app, if you can download that, because it will make things so much more straightforward. And as we say, we are all in this together and it is another way we can all take steps toward hopefully trying to eradicate this um, this virus from, from the country. So just be aware, aware of that. Um, thanks for listening to The Player's Voice. And we will hope that you can join us again the next time. Thanks very much, Colin. Take care.